The left blames the tyrannical patriarchy, colonialism, capitalism, while the right blames big government, big tech, and the new world order. Well, I hate to break it to you, ladies and gentlemen, there is something much more frightening, much more sinister that you and I ought to be aware of. Hey, it's Lucas Scrobot, and you're listening to The Lucas Scrobot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. Episode 262. I love those palindromes. It's October 3rd, 2021. Late, late in the evening here in the Middle East, and I need to have a little little pin right here that says, I survive uh, Hurricane Shaheen, uh, Hurricane Category 1 Hurricane or Cyclone if you are from this side of the pond, uh, or Typhoon, if you are in the Pacific Ocean, South Pacific, uh, rolled through our, our city today here in Oman and uh, spent most of the day cleaning up water as it leaked through all of our windows. But everyone's, everyone's fine, everyone's safe. We took a drive with the kids to the beach and uh, stood by the shore as the crazy waves broke and wind blew. But uh, I survived the, the global warming of 2021, uh, much more global warming news to come. Uh, of course, Greta Thunberg would be blaming the fact that I drove my SUV with my kids down to the beach today. But, you know, that's okay. We'll, we'll get to Greta later on in the show. But there's something far more sinister, as I said, to blame rather than the, the, the liberal uh, activation and militants around global warming or not, not, it's not global warming, excuse me. Global warming was done away with a long time ago, and climate change has actually been done away with a long time ago. If you remember Biden's speech to the UN, President Biden's speech, it is climate. It's now the war against climate. So that's an endless war. Praise God. Uh, finally, alhamdulillah, there's an endless war that we can really, you know, mobilize a generation behind World War III. It's not that, though. That's not the scary, more sinister thing. It's not the it, it, it's not it's not the fact that there is climate that we're fighting that's not the scary sinister frightening thing that you and I ought to be aware of and it's not the the liberal progressivism the the doing away with all of language the doing away with any semblance of reason rationality or truth the the, the expunging of any sort of biology the the denying of science while claiming and telling everyone to follow the science. These things, though, they are the, the mechanisms that both the left and the right blame. When we point to the systems of society, when we have shows like this talking about geopolitical happenings around the globe, we're pointing to systems, we're pointing to people to blame, we're pointing to problems that, and ideologies that are toxic, that are dangerous, that are being pushed out into the world, and both sides of the aisle do this. But, as I said, I hate to break it to you, but I love to break it to you at the same time. There is something much more frightening that we ought to be aware of, and that is me, and that is you, and that is ourselves. Instead of looking out into the world, trying to blame a system, trying to blame someone else, something else, something that's completely outside of our control, because if we can blame something that is outside of our control, then 
The, the locus of responsibility, the agency, is no longer with us, but we can point it somewhere else. We have something to complain about and whine about, a reason that our life is just so horrible, it's just so bad, just ter- terrible. As we listen to this show, as you watch it on your, your mobile device, when you watch it on your computer, knowing that when you open your spice cabinet, well, the, the, the contents of your spice cabinet would have been a, a thing that would be coveted and desired by the kings of old just a few hundred years ago. If only they could have a spice cabinet as nice as yours. We live in the lap of luxury, and so we want to find something else to blame. And it's easy if it's not blaming ourselves. But the issue is, the problem is, and we talked about this in touched on it in the previous episode, how, oh, we're fighting the new world order and there's all these psyops. And what the real psyop is that we're all caught up in blaming all these other systems, all these other problems, all these other agendas, rather than looking to the locus, to ourselves, the thing that we can't have control over. Because the evil, the benevolence in the world, it lies within us. Knowing that we are this close away, just a hairline fracture away from falling into the depths of insanity, falling into the depths of wickedness and evilness, of of benevolence, uh, doing the unthinkable, living out the unthinkable. Because the the men and women who, who were soldiers in the Nazi army, who, who manned the death camps, they were people just like you and just like I. They were ordinary people. They weren't pathological, crazy psychos. They were regular people like you and I. What are the chances that you and I would have been there in those camps? Not trying to save and rescue people, but sending millions to their death. That darkness, that darkness is right below the surface. That evil is right below the surface. I was thinking about, I've been thinking about this really um, over, since the previous episode over the weekend, about how we expend so much of our life energy pointing to and blaming exterior sources for the, the bane of our existence rather than looking and blaming ourselves, the things and, and the things that we can control within our control, because it's so much easier to blame something on the outside. And as, as I was pondering this, I, I turned to uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson in his most recent episode. And here's a, a clip with, it's an interview with Dr. James and uh, Jordan Peterson and Dr. Nigel. And, and they're talking about the religious systems or, or Christianity in, in academia, in Oxford. So that's kind of where the conversation is originally framed. But I, I pulled just two clips in the beginning, and then we're going to have a third clip later on in our Weaver and Loom section um, from Dr. Jordan Peterson. But I pulled these two clips as it really speaks to the heart of the matter that we're, we're going to be t- discussing today in this episode. As soon as we start to uh, 
ex uh, project sin and culpability onto systems and structures and away from from individual agency um things start to go very very badly wrong and that's the the very point that we were making in the intro here and it's something that happens on both the left and the right as as the hook right there in the intro we often the left loves to blame the tyrannical patriarchy or colonialism or whiteness or whatever the the new progressive you know cis hetero cisgender male blah, 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 whatever pronoun is the you know the the correct one to use sorry i'm not politically correct they love to blame that and us even here at the show what do we love to blame we love to talk about the new world order and draconian oversteps and authoritarianism and uh th- these these systems of thought of postmodernism and irrationality that's just sweeping a generation off the cliff and the immorality of of little nas x and uh, uh will smith and just the, the craziness that people are just pulling into their lives and adopting and i'm sure that i think all of that is just as insane as someone on the progressive left would think that capitalism is insane or, or colonialism is insane or the tyrannical patriarchy is insane and now a little asterisk right there on colonialism there's many different types of colonialism yes horrors happened within colonialism but the word colonialism now is expanded and extended far beyond what colonialism was. And now colonialism is showing up on time. You showed up on time, you better decolonize your mind because you're you're using a a form of whiteness. It's an internalized oppression that you need to free yourself of. That's what colonialism has turned into. It's no longer the actual colonialism. It's just any sort of enlightenment way of thinking, any sort of scientific method way of thinking. Of course, unless if you are doing away with the science and then saying, let's follow the science, aka do away with the scientific method and just follow the talking points, the political talking points that's now been labeled science. So both sides, we can, we can both be in, in fueled, if that's a word, it's not a word. We can both be enraged and have our emotions fueled against these systems that are at play. But in this, this clip that Dr. James Orr just played for you, when we begin to blame those things, that's when we begin, begin to be swept up in these psyops. That's when we begin to be swept up in these, these movements, these thought systems that color and blind us, color our vision and blind us from the real problem that is sitting right in front of you, and that is yourself. You do not want to be blind to your shortcomings, to yourself. Here's Dr. Jordan Peterson talking about just that. One of the things that humanity has to figure out is what's our enemy? What what can destroy us? It's like, well, the snake, that, that's natural world and predation. It's, well, what about that in other people? Well, yes, what about that? We can demonize the enemy in mm. no time. But if we're really sophisticated, we think, no, no, no. The f- most fundamental adversary is the one within. Yes. And then that also offers the opportunity of something like a romantic adventure, because you can tell young people, overthrow the oppressive patriarchal tyrant. Or you could say, 
No, you should seriously contend with the evil within. That's a far more difficult endeavor and a far more noble endeavor. When I was, <laughs> I stepped into a clubhouse uh, just just to see what, what was happening on the app to see if the app was even still alive. And I stumbled into this room where they're talking about the new world order and, and going on and on about, you know, this, the, the conspiracy that's been around for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And we need to stop the new world order. And I was thinking to myself, man, we spend so much energy on these, these tropes, on these uh, myths, on these conspiracies, even though, yes, in many ways, it's true. But our, is, will our clubhouses chatting about the new world order, will it actually solve anything in our life? Or, as Dr. Peterson said, looking and working to overcome the evil that lies within. Because that is where, that is where we actually have some sort of agency. We have, actually have some sort of control. Yes. Oh my goodness. If you can't tell, we talk about politics so much on this show. Glo global geopolitical uh, culture wars. We talk about the uh, uh, you know, social commentary, what's happening in society and how we ought to respond, how we ought to live, how we ought to, ought to think about that. That's important. We take those things into our conversations. We take them into, in, into the way that we vote for policy, the way that we talk and engage with people on a daily basis. However, it all comes back to overcoming that's within ourselves. And this is just something, that's just my intro rant that I've been thinking about over the weekend and feeling personally challenged in, personally challenged in, in saying, I want to overcome the shortcomings, the evils within, the darkness within. And I want to make sure that the, the, the work that I put my hands to, it's not just noise, it's just not just another uh, you know, great piece of entertainment, even though I try to be entertaining here. I hope, I hope you are efficient, sufficiently entertained. But it has to touch our hearts. It has to change our lives. Otherwise, you know, we might as well just start screaming and shouting about <laughs> the new world order. Arr! And that's not what we want to do. But <laughs> in other news, the new world order. <laughs> okay, not really. But as far as global news, Afghanistan again. Oh, my goodness. This is a change of topic. Again, Afghanistan again. It's... It, I, I feel in the news, in the news cycle, we haven't seen, you know, a mass genocide begin. So people have kind of lost sight, lost mind. Uh, you know, the U.S. troops are out of there now, so it's not important to report in the news. But the reality is, in Afghanistan, things are beginning to intensify. Borders are closing. Afghans who are trying to flee the country, if they don't have papers, they are not allowed to cross the border into Pakistan, hundreds of thousands of people internally have been displaced. The UN is warning of a third of the population of 38 million people. So that would be 13, 14 million people at risk of famine as winter comes. The Taliban have banned Afghan women from the top universities and further reports have come in of targeted killings. 
against religious minorities, against ethnic minorities, by the Taliban. So even though there's not a massive news break, there's not a massive story, there's not a massive genocide, and I pray that we don't see that. I pray that we don't see that. But I just want to keep that top of mind, realizing and knowing the decisions that were made, the decisions that were made specifically by the current American administration to pull out recklessly and carelessly has destabilized a nation, destabilized a region, and destroyed countless lives, hundreds of thousands of lives. Putting people back, uh, there was a there was a clip that I saw. I did not I did not cut it, but uh, I, a clip that I saw this week where the Taliban were talking about you know the new dress codes for women, how women are not allowed to wear high heels because if they do, the sound of their high heels will attract the eyeballs of men and uh, haram. So you know, no more high heels. This is this is the kind of extremism that the Taliban are putting in place. And this is just, just the beginning. It's only the beginning of what we will end up seeing in Afghanistan because of the decisions that were made. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. It, I really do believe, will turn into uh, a major hinge point, hinge point over the next 50 years that we'll be able to look back and say, because of what happened in Afghanistan in 2021, these other ripple effects, these other things have fallen into place a, a total shift of geopolitical power. Speaking of shifts of geopolitical power and China, China versus Taiwan, we've been talking about this even since the, the Haitian assass assassination. CNN reports that China sent 77 warplanes into Taiwan's defense zone over the last two days doing military air drills. Akos, now is your time, Akos. <laughs> you, you struck that deal just in time. Come on, Australia, get your get your military prowess on the on the run. You better get up there. Um, hopefully, it's hopefully we'll be in time to save Taiwan from uh, the inevitable. What seems to be the inevitable uh, uh, invasion, whether it's an invasion or taking over or, or just a annexing of it, just as they did with. Uh, uh, Hong Kong. We'll see. We'll see if if America continues on their trend of uh, backing out uh, from defending their allies, or if they will continue to stand with Taiwan. But I think that's the whole reason that AUKUS was put into place, which again is the deal between Australia, the UK, and the US uh, to give Australia not just uh, nuclear powered submarines, but also to expand their military footprint. Of course, France is still embittered about it. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, some great news, though. Great, great news. Uh, another country has gone back to normalcy. They have said, you know what? The jig is up. We're not going to be playing this, this musical chair game anymore. We're not going to keep on jumping through the hoops. We've talked about the the hoops of hope and fear, and they said, "Well, we're we're just done. We're going to finish playing that game." What's Croatia? Croatia? Oh my goodness, Croatia! 
the president of Croatia uh, came out just a number of days ago saying, you know what, we, we are done with this. It's, he's speaking in Croatian in this clip, so I'm going to have to uh, do my best to translate quickly as he, as he speaks. So here is the president of Croatia. I'll finish. If the goal is, we need to know what the goal is in this frenzy. If the goal is to completely eradicate the virus, then we have the goal. I have not heard that this is the goal. If someone tells me it's the goal, I'll tell him he's out of his mind. That's impossible. Get vaccinated. We want to eradicate COVID-19. That's impossible. It's obviously impossible. Every day, I watch CNN and those few channels, and I wonder if I'm normal or they're crazy. They spread panic, and they did it from the beginning. They're not the only ones, but there's simply absolutely no certainty. There's no life without risk, without the possibility of getting sick. People get sick from thousands of other more serious things. And while that's happening, we've been talking about COVID-19 for the last year and a half. One year, okay, I understand. I justify it. It was for it. Since New Year's, I only listen to nonsense. Croatia. The heart of Europe, Europe is, is breaking up, you know, I believe it was Norway and Denmark are saying we're done with this. Um, so there's a couple people that are uh, just going against it. They're saying, nope, we are, we are finished with all of this. We're going back to normal. We're categorizing this as the flu, as just a very bad flu. And so I applaud Croatia for their bold step in the face of what I'm assuming to be enormous pressure from the EU. Yeah, that makes sense. In a post-truth society where we've exchanged truth for lies and reason for postmodern irrationality, the absurd finally makes sense. And as I promised, and I know you were you were just could not wait to hear the the wisdom from this uh, superstar. Greta Thunberg is back on the show today with a speech that she made at the Youth for Change conference. And uh, I'm going to play a, a minute clip from her speech. And it is mm, it's quite awe-inspiring. Here is Greta Thunberg. There is no planet B. There is no planet blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Oh. Uh. This is not Wait, okay. First, this it, it, maybe you've seen this clip. This it, she goes on with the blah 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 thing. What I am most flabbergasted by is the fact that there was a round of applause after this first after this first bit. Blah 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 blah. There's no planet blah blah blah, and she gets a round of applause. This it only gets better, folks. This is not about some expensive, politically correct green act of bunny hugging or blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Build back better, blah, blah, blah. Green, <laughs> green economy, blah, blah, blah. Oh, she's just totally digging into uh, the Biden administration and, and uh, m most of the EU and Europe of build back better, green new economy. Uh, that's a, a direct dig at AOC. 
really feisty, really, which is, you know, going after her own people, I'm assuming, because in, in progressivism, you always have to be more and more progressive. You always have to take it one or two or three steps further because you always have to push to the edge. You always have to find something racy and radical to say. Net zero by 25, 2050, blah, blah, blah. Net zero by 2050, blah, blah, blah. Net zero, blah, blah, blah. Climate neutral, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, I mean, I kind of feel the same way. <laughs> it, just, it feels like it's blah, blah, blah. So I, I think her and I agree. I wonder, did, I do wonder, did she write this speech? Did someone else write this speech? Um, we got another 20 seconds of this clip. This is all we hear from our so-called leaders. Words, words that sound great, but so far has led to no action. Our hopes and dreams drown in their empty words and promises. <laughs> I don't really have very much to say after that clip. Um, it's, it's, and the reason I don't have much to say is because it's confusing. What, what action is, is being proposed? What action is, is she hoping or, or the, the, the conference hoping? Youth for Change hoping? What, cha what, what action are they hoping that the president or that the global leaders take? It's... I, and this is, this is the, the, the... I don't know if it's the problem, but this is the reality of the situation. People make decisions emotionally, and then they rationalize those decisions with data or facts or science. So when we see Greta, who is being used and, and put up on a pedestal to garner the attention and the empathy of, of youth across the globe as a spokesperson of youth, she doesn't need to come with data or science or scientists. I'm sure, I'm sure at this conference they had data and science and scientists talking about their agenda. But a, fake, a figure like her, she, she doesn't need to give scientific reasoning. She doesn't need to give solutions. She is there to pull on the hearts of people, to, to stir up emotions in youth, in the 12, 13, 8-year-old kids across the world. She is there to stir up anger and rage and deep emotions deep uh, disconcerted unsettledness and fear in the hearts of of the youth so that in 10 20 years this movement will have won the populace so that this movement this progressivism will have the to total backing of the global youth which would then be young adults because if you can get their hearts stirred with anger and fear, anger and fear, with very little hope, mind you, then, years later, they will do whatever you say along those prerogatives. And that's why, 
It's so great. It's now a war against climate because it's endless. It's an endless, endless, endless war, which means you can, you can enact policy after policy and strip freedom after freedom, destroy nation after nation after person after society time and time again. And people will go along with it just as we've seen people go along with it in the last year and a half. The same things. It's the instilling of fear and anxiety and say there's so much fear. There's so much much anxiety. Look at the numbers. Look at the numbers. Look how how horrible it is. We're all going to die. And that causes people to give over all of their rights and say, I'm just going to stay inside. I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to do my best to weather this storm. And the same tactics are being used. So you don't need. You don't need to have any real call to action. You don't need to have any real solution. All you have to do is stir up the emotions of the youth. Well, what's the, what's the next step in the, the, the war against climate? Well, whew, the New Yorker hosted an extreme climate activist who wants environmentalism to start destroying po- property and blowing up pipelines. This is, this is actually uh, from a podcast from the New Yorker, from a professor, Andreas Mahl. Here, here's Andreas Mahl. Well, I am recommending that the movement uh, continue. Pardon, I, I missed the title of his book. He wrote a book titled How to Blow Up a Pipeline by Andreas Mahl. On the New Yorker. Talking about how, how what, what should we really do since we're not doing enough for climate, since all of our leaders are just talking blah, blah, blah. You know, it's not what, whatever they do with the Green New Deal and, and build back better and climate net, net zero and blah, it's not going to be enough. So what, what, what do we need to do today? Here's uh, Andreas. ...with mass action and civil disobedience, but also opens up for property destruction. So I'm not saying we should stop strikes or, or uh, square occupations or demonstrations of the usual kind. I'm all in favor of that. But I do think we need to step up because so little has changed and so many investments are still being poured into new fossil fuel projects. So you, I am you, in favor of, of destroying machines, property, not harming people. That's a very, uh, very important distinction there. And I think property can be destroyed in all manner of ways, or it can be neutralized in a very gentle fashion, as when we deflated the SUVs, or in a more spectacular fashion, as in potentially blowing up a pipeline that's under construction. That's something that people have done. So uh, that's called terrorism, by the way. But of course, you know, they're of course they're gonna the the, the radical right is gonna label this as as terrorism, but it's not. No, this is actually the definition of terrorism. This is actually the definition of violence. It's actually a blatant call for violence, a blatant call for terrorism to destroy property, to blow up pipelines. And note, and, and the, in this interview, the, the interviewer actually brought this up, that if you are destroying a pipeline, the, the people who are going to be impacted the most are the poor. Why? Because energy prices will shoot up as energy prices shoot up. Who is going to pay for it? The poor of the world. And it's not an inconsequential thing. The poor of the world 
will turn their lights off. Their kids won't be able to spend as much time reading or have a good as an edu- education. I'm not talking just the, 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 the middle class poor. Of course, they will be infected. But I'm talking about the absolute poorest of the world who's already paying a lot for electricity, a lot for energy. And that energy is transforming their lives, transforming their education, transforming their, their work habits. And that destroying pipelines will drastically affect those people. But he says, well, you know, we, we might be able to do it. If it's time bright and blah, blah, blah. You know, there I am. There I am. I'm Miss Greta, blah, blah, blah. If it's timed right, then we'll be able to work. Well, this, this is just nothing short than domestic eco-terrorism. And it, eco-terrorism has been happening for a while where, where, where eco-terrorists would spike trees. If you don't know what spiking trees are, they take you know these huge iron rods, nine-inch rods and nails, and they hammer them up into trees in the forest. So then when loggers come through, they cut down the trees. And then as they're running it through the sawmill, they don't realize that there is a piece of metal in there. And then when the saw band hits that spike, the band explodes, sending shrapnel all over the place and often killing or dismembering those who are working at the lumber mills. Eco-terrorism. But it's a blatant call. And it's saying, well, this is actually okay. It's okay. It's morally right that we do this. It's morally right that we do this. Here is uh, the final clip that we have for uh, Andreas on how to blow up a pipeline. So how do you avoid playing into the eco-terrorism narrative, or can you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't think that we should adapt our tactics after the enemy's script. A.K.A. it's okay if we are doing terrorism. They can accuse us of that. They're the enemies, and so we're going to... Do whatever we want. Hold no bars. Just going to go full-blown to the wall. If the protesters after the murder of George Floyd would have done so, they certainly would have stayed home. Because, of course, what Fox told the viewers was that BLM was a terrorist Marxist movement. Uh, Yes. Note, BLM calls themselves a Marxist movement. And when you're destroying property... $2 billion worth of property was destroyed in America during the BLM protests and riots. That is, that is terrorism. That is creating terror in a community to frighten and coerce people into doing what you want. Now, that, that is terrorism. There's no other way to cut it. But this is, this is where that movement is going. It is as progressive as it gets, and, and whether Greta would like to admit it or not, this is, this is essentially the logical conclusion of what she's calling for. Policy and all these protests and everything that our leaders are saying, it's just not enough. We need something more. We need change now. How are we going to do it? Well, apparently Mr. How to Blow Up a Pipeline Guy thinks that we should just start bombing pipelines. Well, speaking of bombing, this show is brought to you by listeners just like you. So thank you, everyone who gives to this show. We would not be here 
without you. It means so much to us. This is a value for value podcast. As you can tell, you're not getting interrupted with ads throughout this show because it's brought to you by people like you. And thousands of people turn in, tune into this show, excuse me, every month. So if you want to give value in the value that you received from this episode, you can do so by visiting lucasrobot.com and giving your hard, cold fiat there. Or you can stream Bitcoin on a Podcast 2.0 certified app like Podfriend or Breeze. And as you listen, you can stream ones and twos, tens and twenties, Satoshis over to the podcast as you listen. Don't go away. We will be right back with our closing Weaver and Loom segment. Welcome back to Weaver and Loom, a part of the show where we take ancient wisdom and we weave it in with our everyday lives so that we can own our future and weave our destiny. Today's quote. Uh, I don't know who this quote is actually by, but this is our quote for today. You are not okay as you are. You are not okay as you are. The world, the Instagrams, the influencers, they love to tell you, they love to pull out their phones and be like, you're perfect just as you are. You're a queen. You're a king. Don't change. In everyone's yearbook, don't change. I'm, I'm glad I didn't take any of that advice. Change. The whole point of life is to change. You are not. I am not okay as I am. We all know it. We all know our shortcomings. We all know that there is that, that darkness that can reside within, that it is our duty as humans to face it, challenge it, and overcome it so that we can live up to our highest potential. But there is a narrative, and it is largely a leftist progressive narrative that is out there. Some of it is also on the right. It's in all peoples, all places that would say, you're just perfect. You're fine just as you are. You don't need to change. You're okay. Now, yes, there, there is a level of what would be grace there's a level of, of strength. There's a level of, you know, we, we are human. We do have shortcomings. We will make mistakes in this life. But we should not fall victim or pray to our shortcomings or say, well, this is just how I am. This is, I'm just, I'm broken. I just can't do anything about it. I'm just stuck here. I'm just gonna give myself over to these flaws. I'm not going to stand up against them. I'm not going to seek to live out the highest ideal. And that leaves us to our final clip of the day by Dr. Jordan Peterson. There isn't this investigation that we're all undertaking, including us in this conversation, of what constitutes the ideal and how we could manifest it if we could only understand it. And I think that's unbelievably compelling to people. And it's, it's, it's not only compelling, they die without it. Because mm. we can't live with only knowledge of our limitations. We, we, yes. we have to be moving towards an ideal. We have to be moving towards an ideal. We can't only live with the knowledge of our limitations. When someone says you are okay just as you are, they're saying you have knowledge of your limitations. You, you know the things that you are struggling with 
On a day-to-day basis, from when you wake up to when you go to sleep, when you go through your hard seasons, you know those things that pop up time and time again, just like I know those things that pop up time and time again. We know them. But it's, it's not enough to know them and just say, we're, we're stuck here. We can't live that way. We have to set our eyes on a higher ideal. We have to look to what we could aspire to be, who we might possibly become if we converted all of that potential into actual realization of being. And so that's the quote today. You're not okay as you are, and it's okay that you're not okay, but you have to do something about it. You have to find that ideal, that highest ideal, and that's one of the things really that we, we seek out on this show, and that is the, the pursuit of truth. What is the highest ideal? How ought we to live? Because if we can see the world around us, if we can see what that highest ideal is, and with the pitfalls in our lives between us and the highest ideal, then we can find a way to slowly navigate around those pitfalls to reach the highest ideal that you and I might be able to become in our lifetime. And one of the ways you can do that is by sharing this with your community, by sharing it, texting it to one or two friends, because as you talk about it with other people, you inscribe people on that journey with you. And we can't do this alone. Do this with your community and you will find, you will find so much joy in bringing people into your journey with you and you journeying with other people as together you pursue that highest ideal. That is all for this episode. Go out this week, seek the truth, uncover your purpose so that you can own your future. 